0: My name is Jeffrey Burke, and I'm a 40-year veteran of the natural products industry. I'm a naturopathic practitioner, a master herbalist, and the host of the Staying Healthy radio show. My shows air Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. here on 1230 a.m. I bring you relevant topics that we all need to know about and the best guests in the industry who bring the newest up-to-date information to my show. All of the shows stream live every day from 8 to 9 a.m. And for those of you who cannot listen live, you can listen to my podcast at stayhealthylasvegas.com and download the shows on demand. The show is sponsored by Stay Healthy Health Food Store, located at 840 South Rancho Drive on the corner of Rancho and Charleston in the Smith's Plaza. Visit them and see what a full-service local retailer can do for you. They offer exceptional service, the most knowledgeable staff, the highest quality products, and awesome prices. The hours of the store are 9 to 6, Monday through Saturday, closed on Sunday. I look forward to chatting with all of you soon. Stay healthy hello and welcome back to the staying healthy radio show i'm always so glad when we get together because i know we're going to talk about something that is good for us and good for our health good for our well-being good for moving forward in a healthier direction maybe working on our awareness maybe actually prioritizing our health just a little bit more those are the things we like to talk about because they're important over the last couple of years, we've learned a lot more about that importance and maybe the, the idea of self-focus. Because I think for a long time, we just kind of put everything, you know, way back on our to-do list, and we understand now how important it is. Every day on the show, Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 in the morning, bringing you the best guests in the industry, as well as the relevant topics for today's world. You know, I think and I hope as you learn and as you get good response and as you become more aware, you bring your friends, let them listen to the show. Share shows with your friends. If you hear a radio show that you really like and you think that other people you know would be beneficial for them to hear it as well, send them to stayhealthylasvegas.com. Their webpage will allow you to be able to listen to any of the radio show downloads which are podcasted there for on-demand listening. So... I got a note yesterday from a lady. She heard one of the shows last week, and she said, this is so perfect. I was talking with my friends the other day just about this situation. So I've had both of them go and listen. That's how we do it. We pay it forward. We uh, pass it on to our friends. You know, not everybody can listen live Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 in the morning. That is the magic of having a podcast available to you you can still listen you can still learn then you can still you know go to stay healthy and talk with them and pick up products that we talk about and things that may be applicable to your you know your journey because going to stay healthy las vegas you can listen but then going to stay healthy the health food store here in las vegas in the flesh live in person you get to have those one-on-one combinations those one-on-one combination of Question answering, dialogue, seeing the product, seeing the store, reading the labels, and getting all of that done at one time. That's what Stay Healthy Health Food Store is all about. Stay Healthy is Las Vegas' oldest independent health food retailer in the fourth decade in the Las Vegas Valley, doing it right every day. And to be in existence for that long, they've really worked hard to be able to be that go-to place. They work hard every single day to make sure they have the best of the best products, great prices, knowledgeable, informed, relevant, and passionate people at the store. That's what that is all about. They're making sure that you have the availability of being able to get that information, get those awesome products, and get that feel-good feeling because this time you're going to be on course. You're going to be on point. And you're going to start to notice all the wonderful benefits that comes with having a healthy way of living, but also having the information to go with it. Because I'll tell you what, it's confusing. It's confusing out there today. And even in the health field, it's confusing. But we want to make sure you have all your tools at your fingertips. So go visit them at Stay Healthy Health Food Store, Las Vegas' oldest independent health food retailer in their fourth decade at 840 South Rancho Drive in the Rancho Town and Country Center on the northwest corner of Rancho and Charleston. They're right next to Smith's. You can't miss them. Monday through Saturday, 9 to 6, closed on Sunday for mail order services or you know, you're having one of those weeks, which we all have when we're so busy we can't get anything done. Give them a call. Say, I need my stuff. Could I just swoop in and pick it up? Can you have it ready for me? Even though you want to go spend time and walk around the store and ask questions, which we love to do. Sometimes we can't. And they'll be more than happy to get it ready for you. 877-2494-877-2494 is their phone number. Don't forget about that webpage. I did mention it, but I'm going to mention it again because it's that important. StayHealthyLasVegas.com. Print coupons to use on your next visit. Enter your email address for future newsletters. And then on top of that, listen to any of the radio show podcasts. They're all there. You can listen to them, you can listen to them again, you can send your friends to listen. You may have heard part of one, but you had to go and you couldn't hear the whole thing. Now you go back and pick it up where you left off, or you hear it again, or you missed a show. What's really great is if you go to my my Facebook every morning, You know my Jeffrey Burke a Naturopathic Practitioner Facebook page, all you have to do is just see what's coming up. And it'll be able to tell you what's coming up that day. Now, that, what that does is it lets you know, oh, yes, I need to tune in or I can tune in today. Or I can't tune in today, but at least I know what they're talking about. I can go back and listen to the podcast later and not miss what I need to hear. That's the whole idea of technology, and we're using it to the fullest. Today, we have Neil Levin with us. I want to talk about information, education, knowledge, experience. This is the guy. He not only brings us great information, but he is such a driving force and an industry insider, and it's always great to have him here. Let me give you a little bit of his, well, his extensive background. Neil is a nutrition education manager and product formulator for the natural products manufacturer, Now Foods. Neil is board certified clinical nutritionist who has a diplomat in advanced nutritional laboratory assessment. He's a professional member of the International American Association of Clinical Nutritionists, serves on the Scientific Council of the Clinical Nutrition Certification Board. Neil is the Director, Program Chair, and the past President of the American Nutrition Association and serves on the Public Relations Committee of the American Herbal Products Association. His comments and articles are published in magazines and newspapers. He contributes to scientific journals, has been featured in countless radio interviews and a long stretch here on my show and television news reports. Neil posts articles on his blog, honestnutrition.com, also at nowfoods.com. He tweets as Neil E. Levin and on Facebook, follow him at Honest Nutrition. Help me welcome my guest. Hey, Neil.
1: Good morning. How are you, my friend?
0: I am doing wonderful. I'm so excited about today's topic because, you know, as a consumer or as somebody that's kind of learning about the industry, if you're beginning now or if you've been listening for a long time, obviously our industry has changed dramatically over the years. You know, things we do today were probably not even a glimmer in our eye when, you know, we began so many years ago. But with change comes change, either mindset or philosophies or protocols Uh, the ideas behind a lot of the things that we do. So, you know, March had this great idea to talk about how things have changed in the industry and and, uh, what we can do to kind of make things a little bit easier to understand. So maybe we could talk about some of those changes today. How do you feel about that?
1: We'd be happy to do whatever makes sense for you and the audience. And, you know, that's actually a good topic because things keep changing and not everyone keeps up with them. To know what's going on. If you're interested in natural health and products and availability of certain products as well, uh, this is a good time to jump on and find out what's going on.
0: So here's an example, example of that. You know, we have had products over our careers that have been doing perfectly fine and all of a sudden it's like somebody threw a dart at it and said, alright we're going to start you know, talking about this product negatively, or we don't think you should be able to carry this product, or it's something that we feel you should only be able to get from a doctor, even though it's something that's been used very safely for a very long time. And I think we should talk about n cysteine, NAC. I, I think that this one is present and actually in the situation. Now, I get asked almost every day when I'm on the road, what is the status, what's going on with NAC? Can we start there?
1: We can start there. Uh, okay. NAC's story starts in 1963 when uh, N-acetylcysteine, this form of an amino acid called cysteine, L-cysteine, uh, is approved for investigative new drug application, IND, uh, by the FDA for a nasal, nasally applied drug that is used, I believe, for lungs or, you know, some kind of breathing issue. And in 1994, the an amendment was passed to the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act that is called, the amendment's called DSHEA, which is the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act of 1994. And th- that law has a number of ways to regulate dietary supplements. First of all, it defines the category of dietary supplements. Uh, Secondarily, it grandfathers in existing ingredients that were legally sold on the market prior to a date in October 1994. So there's old dietary ingredients and then there's a, a law defining the Uh, New dietary ingredients, which would have to be submitted to the FDA for review before they hit the market. And that's been an area where the FDA has been very deficient in regulating and following up and doing their job there. Uh, Due to lack of resources, and certainly dietary supplements are perhaps the safest food category Uh, The law actually defines dietary supplements as a food category, not a drug category, and Mm -hmm. allows them to be regulated a little more rigorously than other foods. For one thing, it, it allows the FDA to set up good manufacturing practice regulations that took a long time to go into effect. You know, this this law was passed in 1994, and good manufacturing practice regulations were not fully implemented until 2010, just to show you how slow the agency was to regulate it. Um, And when I I say safety is an issue, uh, they estimate there's uh, 3,000 deaths a year from food allergies. There's thousands of deaths a year from food poisoning, and there's virtually no deaths a year from dietary supplements. So uh, just because they look like drugs or over-the-counter drugs in bottles and pills does not mean they share the same need to regulate them. Uh, If you think about it, the reason why over-the-counter drugs and prescription drugs are highly regulated is because of their inherent toxicity they're the the known side effects if you buy any drug there's a long list of potential side effects on them and things you should watch out for and let your doctor know and discontinue use all that kind of stuff you typically are not going to see that level of warning on a dietary supplement Uh, most of its boilerplate uh, adults only keep out of reach of children Uh, discuss with your physician if you have any medical condition or taking any medications, you know, those kind of things. And occasionally they're they're a little more specific for that particular product. But, you know, it's not the inherent toxicity uh, of taking drugs. So there's a reason why uh, dietary supplements are regulated especially that way. But that said, uh, there are requirements that manufacturers need to have specifications for their raw materials. They have to test the raw materials. They have to fail the raw materials if they do not pass the testing, especially identity testing. And you know all these regulations governing food safety. And there, there's also food, the food safety law that was passed about 20 years ago uh, that, that regulates food manufacturing, uh, requires adverse effect reporting is another one, uh, allergen labeling is another law. So there's a bunch of laws governing the dietary supplement. But uh, one part of this 1994 law, besides the one that defined old and new dietary ingredients, and there there's also a law defining that products that were previously approved for new drug investigation, like the NAC was in 1963 uh, is actually not eligible to be sold as a dietary supplement. So one of the arguments over this that's been going on for the last year or two is whether NAC is an old dietary ingredient or whether it is not legal dietary ingredient because it, it was sold after the investigative new drug application for NAC in 1963. If it hit the market after that, uh, there's an argument both ways, uh, whether the law is retroactive for one thing, for these products, whether the grandfathering in included this because the FDA is arguing it was not a legal supplement because of the drug investigation prior to that. And this is a very complex legal argument that uh, could go either way in a court. And courts tend to side with regulatory agencies. If you look at the uh, banning of the Herb of Fedra in the early 2000s, the argument was that the FDA is going with a ban strictly based on anecdotal, unproven theoretical evidence. And their standard was that banning it could save like one life every 60 years or something like that, theoretically. You know, so it was a very out there argument, but it went at one point all the way to the Supreme Court and the courts all the way up deferred to the agency as being the ones who are best suited to judge whether it's safe or not, even though their arguments in some ways did not seem to follow federal regulations, federal law requirements. That this theoretical mm-hmm. thing, they really should be proving it's not safe, and the burden of proof is on them to prove something's unsafe, rather than theoretically say, it might be unsafe, so we want to ban it. And they actually got away with it. So that's the level of deference to federal agencies in the court system, which is actually something that a lot of uh, there's a lot of political discussions over whether the uh, way the, the regulations go with federal agencies, uh, is, have they gone too far? Have we given too much power to these unelected officials that are kind of ru- running wild with the regulations and things? So into this atmosphere comes NAC. And NAC is really, really safe. There are uh, certainly uses of it. uh, NAC is used for lung health in in certain medical conditions, for example. Uh, So there are medical uses of NAC. But that said, there are also prescription drug forms of fish oil and B vitamins like niacin and things like that. So there is an argument in the past for dual use with different labeling or different dosing. Uh, of supplements, nutrients, and and drugs, you know, there, there's a reason why you can argue that there could be both. So, the NAC uh, came into great prominence because of the COVID issue, because it's it's something that helps the lungs, and of course, COVID is something that was negatively affecting the lungs. Um, we know that. Viral activity is affected by the antioxidant status, the oxidative stress in particular, for a lack of antioxidants in cells. And that cells that have oxidative stress are more likely to be attacked by viruses. Viruses are actually seeking out that signal of oxidative stress to decide which cells to attack. Which is interesting. And NAC is an antioxidant. Uh, by the way, uh, there's, there's another discussion, a side discussion. We can't call it an antioxidant, even though it is, on labels, because the FDA has decided that the term antioxidant on labels applies to vitamins and minerals with daily values only and not to other things like amino acids uh, uh, or, or herbs. Uh, you know, things like grapeseed extract, pycnogenol, alpha-lipoic acid, Call in medical journals it's called the universal antioxidant. We cannot call it that on a label
0: because Isn't it's not this a why vitamin. We started calling them free radical scavengers. They That was acceptable?
1: Yes, that's acceptable. And it's a broader term because mm-hmm. uh, some of the free radicals are not oxygen. You know, they're not oxygen-based. So it's actually a more more uh, general term that, that's more applicable to that whole category. But antioxidant is the popular term, and it's a common term in medical journals for substances we can't mention as that on labels, like NAC. So, you wow. know, when we're talking about, you know, some people say dietary supplements are unregulated— well, yeah, that, that's a pretty strict regulation. You can't even call it what it is on a label because of federal regulation. And uh, so anyway, NAC, to kind of cap this story off, uh, the FDA recently in the last week or so issued a guidance that says that uh, NAC is not a legal dietary ingredient, which they have been maintaining for a while. But they're not going to enforce anything against it while they are going through a process of deciding whether to do a a federal rulemaking that makes an exception for something that was previously accepted for new drug investigation. Uh, There's actually a process where they can make a rule and go through a comment period and have the... uh, have it become legal through a rulemaking process, even though they technically think it's not a legal dietary supplement today. So they have announced they're not going to enforce the law, what they see as the law, what the law requires. Uh, if they follow, they call that enforcement discretion, that they're, they're going to avoid going after companies that are following the law for... Treating NAC as if it were a legal dietary supplement, even though it's not in the FDA's eyes. So, what are those requirements? All their claims and uh, labeling and web page claims are going to follow the law for dietary supplements, as if it's a legal dietary supplement already. They have to follow the good manufacturing practices for dietary supplements, they have to follow all the food safety laws. And they have to follow the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act regarding adulteration or misbranding of products. So until their notice and comment rulemaking to allow the use of NAC goes through or the FDA denies it and says, no, we're not going to let it happen, they're going to continue to let NAC be sold on the market. Uh, If companies pretend that it's a legal dietary supplement and go through all, jump through all those hoops and don't make COVID claims or other uh, illegal claims on it, which they shouldn't have been doing even if it was already uh, acknowledged as a legal supplement. Mm-hmm. So the concern of FDA is primarily safety. There are no real safety issues that they admit, that they haven't found any significant safety issues, and they, if that continues, they believe... The FDA believes that the rulemaking will be successful and go through a, a proposed rule and a comment period and publishing in the Federal Register and becoming an official regulation that accepts NAC as a legal dietary supplement, a legal dietary ingredient more specifically. So it looks like it will continue to be allowed to be sold, that the FDA will eventually uh, six months or a year maybe at the at the short end uh, acknowledge it as a legal dietary supplement and meanwhile they expect all the companies selling it to follow the rules and act as if it's already a legal dietary supplement and they will not go after those companies who are following those rules
0: okay no that's that's really good in your heart of hearts what do you think
1: Well, they they, they have been looking really hard and have not found any real safety issues with NAC, and they have not even suggested a maximum dose in the the interim as a a safety measure. Uh, So it looks like, you know, they're going to probably decide this based strictly on safety at this point is the indication we're getting from their statements. And assuming that something doesn't come out of the blue that nobody knows about, uh, which is really unlikely, uh, it looks like it will be accepted in six months or a year maybe as a legal dietary ingredient and all this will go away.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing how so much technology has come forward over the last 30 years and I mean, we're not having to really jump through as many hoops as we did many, many years ago, but, you know, they're, they're still there. And, you know, so I, I think the industry has become, you know, stronger. And you did mention something that I think is important. A lot of people say that our our industry is is not regulated. That comes up a lot, and I think to myself, you have no idea how many rules we have to follow.
1: Well, that's true, and I think a lot, a lot of that we're hearing from the medical community because uh, – there is no pre approval of finished products by the FDA like there is for drugs. And doctors think that supplements need to be regulated just like drugs, and there's a deficiency if they're not. You know, many, many physicians, not all, obviously. But, uh, you know, the safety record actually disproves that. That, you know, if you look at the Poison Control Center, figures, there's typically zero deaths from dietary supplements in any year, while there's thousands of deaths from food. Wow. So, you know, when we're talking about what's safe, you know, there's 100, probably 100,000 deaths a year from, from drugs used as prescribed, and there's several hundred thousand deaths a year of uh, people, you know, misapplied drugs, drugs that were improperly prescribed. So, you know, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of deaths a year from drugs. We're talking about thousands from food and typically zero from dietary supplements. So there are some categories that may be of concern. And that might include uh, diet products, bodybuilding products, male enhancement products, those kind of things. But those could be specially regulated if there was a need. But... You know, going after a multivitamin or a vitamin C or you know something like that for as if it were the same as a dangerous product is kind of ridiculous when you think about it. And the FDA does not have the resources to deal with this. And the other thing the FDA is trying to get through, and there's a move in Congress now to pass this, is a bill to have a mandatory product listing. In other words making every company with, with a dietary supplement submit a label to the FDA. Now, asking for that, the FDA is ignoring that the National Institutes of Health already has a database of labels with over 100,000 labels in it, and they're co- actively collecting them from the marketplace as well as submissions from uh, from industry. I mean, for example, now submit our labels to this registry. Uh, But they're also pulling it from complaints and uh, monitoring what's happening in the marketplace, et cetera, to try to capture ones that might not have been submitted uh, voluntarily by most responsible companies doing it. So, I mean, you can't expect a lawbreaker is going to comply with these laws anyway. Enforcement is the key, and they have no staff to... Review or enforce this info. It's just a database they want for reference in case they need it. Okay. But, you know, <laughs> if, I, if I'm a food company and I come out with a new package of bread or a new cereal or a new frozen food, and those are more likely to have allergens and cause deaths and illnesses, why don't those require to be in the database too? Why pick on dietary supplements that li- Literally, the safest category of these things doesn't make any sense from a safety perspective. It's guilt by association. It looks like a drug. We have to treat it like a
0: drug. Okay. No, no, I I, I understand that completely, and to me, it makes really really good sense um, that we have to be strong as an industry. We have to always be following the rules, jumping through the hoops, but also, you know, doing what we have to do and Do we ever bring new research and information to them that they may not know about? Or do we wait until we're asked for information? Or do we wait until we're defending a situation?
1: Well, in in the case of NAC, uh, our trade association submitted information, data, historical information as well, uh, to the FDA to justify that it should be a legal dietary ingredient. Uh, the mismatch between the two sections of the 1994 law, one that defines the the dietary supplements and the old dietary ingredients that are grandfathered in that are pre-approved, and the one that says uh, ingredients that have have not been legal, dietary ingredients, and uh, were approved for drug use first, and there's really a timestamp on there. So the timestamp for a drug uh, investigation preceding a product being legally marketed in the U.S. Uh, means that it cannot be sold as a dietary supplement. It's not a dietary ingredient. It's a drug, according to the FDA. And that's the kind of the limbo that NAC found itself in, uh, whether the grandfathering in included that or not because of the investigative new drug application, which didn't really go into that level of detail in defining its section.
0: Okay. All right, let's, let's switch wheels a little bit here. Um, creatine. So people are asking some questions. Marge brought it up for us to discuss it. What's going on with creatine?
1: Well, creatine is in short supply, and the price is several times the price of what it used to be. Because it's in such short supply, supply and demand, of course. So mm-hmm. part of that is uh, the shut, the pandemic shutdowns and the mm-hmm. shipping issues, where there's simple, we don't have enough creatine in this country to make products, and we can't import it because it's either not being made or uh, it's not being shipped, and the price has skyrocketed. I mean. The shipping price is, you know, a container that used to cost two or $3,000, a shipping container to, to send from Asia, is now taking, you know, $20,000, $30,000 to ship. Uh, the shipping is not being unloaded in a quick manner. Uh, you, people have probably seen news reports of uh, ships waiting off the California coast for up to a month to unload. Yeah. So, you know, there is, the supply is horrible, the shipping is horrible, the transportation is horrible, uh, availability is almost non-existent, and as a result, the price is, uh, you know, way higher. I mean, it would cost us more to buy it in bulk than what we sell it for. Wow. And that's not you know, expected I... to get better anytime soon.
0: Yeah, I can understand that. That is absolutely for sure. Um, You know, when people talk about supply issues and things like that, I think they're more real than we think they are because people don't realize still that a lot of this stuff does come from all different parts of the world.
1: It is, and there's, there's a finite number of shipping containers in the world and a finite number of ships to transport them. And what happened during the pandemic was A lot of these shipping containers went to unusual places. You know, I mean, they're shipping uh, the PPE gear and stuff like that uh, to places like Africa, South America. And a lot of these shipping containers ended up getting stranded in these areas because they didn't have the... I mean, usually there's a balance where shipping containers go one way and they come back full. And if they come back mm-hmm. empty, you got to pay double, basically, to transport them. Uh, so a lot of these shipping containers got stranded in these unusual places. And, again, uh, making shipping containers means making steel and having these fabrication places and shipping them to the ports they have to go to. That's all been disrupted as well. So it's it's hard to make shipping containers. And because of the demand and, and the cost, the transportation cost is high, the, the fuel as well, uh, adding to everything. You know, it costs 10 times or more to ship something than it used to. It takes longer. I, I know even companies that have paid for expedited shipping uh, where it's supposed to be less than a month on the, on a boat are finding their expedited shipping is now taking three months so wow. they're, they're just so the whole worldwide supply chain is disrupted and it's it's unfortunate that there's not more manufacturing going on locally in, in this country a lot of this has been outsourced uh, you know the globalization has allowed things to move to areas where it's more efficient and cheaper to make them closer to the sources of the raw materials etc but and we're used to the the just-in-time deliveries, uh, which works well with a good supply chain. But as we saw with the disruption uh, when the bridge going into from Detroit to Canada got blocked, and Mm -hmm. there's a huge amount of uh, transnational shipment of, say, auto supplies. Some are made in Michigan. To use in manufacturing in Canada in Ontario and if they couldn't get there the auto plants were shutting down because they need a supply right away there's you know they don't have a, a huge warehouse now because of the pandemic uh, now has been has dramatically increased our uh, warehousing of, of product and our, our purchasing you know but again that that tends to backfire when everyone's trying to stock up and there's not enough supply that drives the price up too. So, you know, the, the, the logical response, we saw that with toilet paper a couple of years ago. You know, if you think there's going to be a shortage and you buy it up, there's, then there's a huge shortage. Everyone freaks out. There's, there's You can't get it. Uh, you, you pay a premium for it. I know the price of those goods even today is much higher than they used to be a couple years ago because of that, and we're going to see the same thing with dietary supplements. The supply chain crisis fuels inflation and is a major cause of inflation because supply and demand is going to drive the price up if the demand exceeds supply. I mean, that's natural, that's capitalism, but... It, it does fuel inflation.
0: I got it. No, I see that. Do you see us getting back to any semblance of uh, Abbey Normal?
1: I The predictions I see is it's going to be at least another year or two to try to stabilize these things. First, we have to get past the pandemic and have everybody operating at, at full capacity. Uh, the, the fuel issues are going to keep fueling infl- inflation because you know the price of any kind of fuel is much higher than it was a year or two ago. And that's mm-hmm. unlikely to go away with the current war and sanctions and things like that going on. Uh, that's another disruption. Uh, the war in uh, Ukraine is fueling huge increases in certain commodities. Uh, U- Ukraine is one of the top worldwide exporters of wheat and sunflower oil, for example, uh, right. corn and other other foods. So they also make uh, airplane engines and things like that. So uh, it's disrupting uh, supplies of some of those manufacturing as well. Uh, you basically have one of the leading food exporters in the world. I mean, that is the major wheat exporter to, to make bread in Egypt and Pakistan, for example. Uh, all the exports blocked. So we're seeing the price of basic food commodities go up. Remember, that's what triggered the Arab Spring protests was an yes. increase in the price of bread.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: That's happening again. You know, who knows where this is going to end up? You know, when uh, someone tips over the apple cart and who knows is going to trip on those apples when they go rolling down the street.
0: Yeah. No, no, I, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. You know, the, I, I think that we're learning a little bit more along the way. And I think that we're, we have to be aware of these things. And, you know, because we have so many more people today using and consuming nutritional supplements, you know, so it, it's a bigger impact. If this would have happened, you know, years ago when we didn't have as many people, that we're using supplements, I don't know. It might have just glided under the bridge, if you will. But so many of us use supplements, and over the last couple of years, many more came on board. So very, very important. Um, That's true. As far well, as the yeah, industry
1: uh, let's let's look at elderberry as an example, because elderberry keeps having studies on, you know, test tube studies. It, it's it's good for immunity. It might work against COVID. Blah blah blah. You know, not label claims, but you know, stuff coming out in the Studies and media, uh, it takes about five years for an elderberry bush to mature and produce fruit. So, you know, there's a demand two years ago and a a huge demand increase. There is no increase in the supply. It takes, even if they planted new elderberry bushes last year it's going to be four more years till they're mature enough to produce fruit and harvest. Uh, so we're, we're stuck with a demand that has no way to increase the supply you know, on a short-term basis.
0: Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. You know, we just think we just turn, on, turn it on and everything works perfectly, and I don't think we, we, we realize that there's a lot of that stuff involved as well. So, no, thank you for that. That really does make good sense.
1: Yeah, so raw materials are dependent on their availability. Some of that's nature, some of that's supply chain, some of that is manufacturing. Uh, you know, there, There's so much going on uh, with that. And you know, there's shortages of, of labor now because there's so much demand. And the traditional way to correct that is to have immigration to do that. But there's restrictions on immigration now. And the, the population is not growing much in the U.S. these days. In fact, the death rate has increased abnormally over the last two years. Uh, so fewer workers chasing the jobs and the unemployment rate when it drops so low. You need, you know, I, we can't hire chemists off the street who have no training. They have to have credentials and training to do chemistry. They... They have to be training for months to be able to run an encapsulation machine. They have to apprentice to do that. You know, there, there's things that require training, and it takes time and willing and able people to do that. And you know, that's why immigration has been so important in the growth of our country over the years, and has made us into an economic uh, power. But as long as, as along with our resources, but you know, right now uh, it's hard to get the trained people we need. There's more job openings in some cases for skilled jobs than people who are applying for them. And that that's another bottleneck. You know, we want to increase capacity, but we need skilled people to be able to do it. And we can't train a chemist from scratch. We might be able to train someone to run and uh, an operate a machine over some months, but... You know, it, we're, we're talking years to bring up a crop of, of new chemists, or you know, people who are very technical and have the credentials we need for certain jobs. Hmm.
0: Anything else going on out there? We got a couple minutes left, just a couple, two, three minutes, maybe. Anything else going on that we need to be aware of?
1: Well, the other thing is, there's a lot of effort in states to highly regulate dietary supplements. Uh, there's a bill in New England that would require, I think it's Rhode Island, require all dietary supplements to be sold from behind a counter to avoid selling to people under 18. They couldn't buy a chewable vitamin C or anything like that. Uh, There's a bill sitting on the governor's desk in New York that would put certain categories of supplements behind the counter and prevent them from being sold to people under 18. And that includes anything related to diet, body composition, or liver function. Huh. The lipotropics are specifically in the law, and that includes, that, that is defined as products containing choline, which is a component of egg yolk, and it's uh, essential for pregnant women. And it's needed for liver health and brain health choline is a brain nutrient, a neurotransmitter. So we need to get this from the diet, but yet they're going to restrict this. And if they don't write the regulations carefully, it could encompass multivitamins, B-complex, all kinds of things that are not really needed. And it's based on a faulty theory that uh, teenagers ab- are abusing their bodies to lose weight or build body build using dietary supplements. And they might use products that are labeled as dietary supplements, but they're looking at these extreme sports products or the extreme diet products, some of which may be adulterated with medications and drugs. And now Foods has actually published a method for identifying these pharmaceuticals and raw materials a cheap fast easy method that's reliable and it's been confirmed by two other studies so there are readily available methods to exclude them from the marketplace uh, that co- reputable companies like ours are using these methods huh. so instead of going after specific categories and or, or ingredients or requiring more testing and enforcement they're simply going to move everything behind the counter and I mean, if you think about it, supplements are sold in grocery stores, drug stores, gas stations, you name it, convenience stores. Uh, If you have to have card people, and in some cases the laws are more extreme than carding for alcohol, it really doesn't make any sense.
0: Huh. Well, I... I really appreciate this. I know this is a little different than what we're used to as far as the show, but, you know, this is really good critical information. And as people, you know, have have really, you know, nutrition is very important to them. These are things we can talk about, and I can't think of anybody else better to talk about with them, with you. This, so I really appreciate it. Well,
1: thanks. You know, we welcome reasonable regulation. We supported the food safety bill, the uh, good manufacturing practices regulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, banning... Uh, steroids, the androsteans and stuff. We supported all that as an industry. We're not against regulation, but treat us fairly.
0: Exactly. Well, Neil, my friend, be well, stay healthy, look forward to our next show together. I hope you and your family are well. Uh, keep up all the good work. Um, you are needed in this industry, and we and we respect all your hard work.
1: Well, thanks. I appreciate you, too.
0: Thank you. Have a one. Have a wonderful day. Say hello to the missus. (laughs) Will do. Bye-bye. Bye. My guest today, Neil Levin, representing Now Foods, just an amazing amount of information with Neil. He can talk on any topic, and also being so connected to the industry in general, he's able to bring this up-to-date information to us and make us more well-informed and give us tools. Because you know, as you're reading more, and you know, you're reading articles and these things, you might read coming across your article. You'll be like, I did hear about that, and I. that that was an issue and you know and it's really nice to be able to have some information on the back burner you can never learn too much and you can never be too well aware head over to stay healthy health food store and learn another awareness how amazing this store is you need to take your friends there your family there your co-workers people you like people you don't like because even they need to be healthy stay healthy is las vegas's oldest independent health food retailer in their fourth decade in the las vegas valley they are a fully-packed, full-service store with all of those years-past full-service attributes. Friendliness, courteousness, you are welcomed, you have discussion, your questions are answered, you are treated with uh, welcoming respect, and I think that that is extremely important in today's self-service world. They carry the best of the best because they carry the best of the best. It's what they want to do. They want to be able to offer the best so you're able to get the best results ever. And they want to make sure that you're using products that are from companies that care about us, the first. Stay healthy, health food store. You'll find them at 840 South Rancho Drive in the Rancho Town and Country Center on the northwest corner of Rancho and Charleston, right next to Smith's. Call them at 877 2494, 877 2494, and guess what? You can do mail order services with them. They have plenty to talk to you about. Uh, if you have a busy week, and you just are too busy to go in and enjoy your normal visit to the store, perusing around, asking questions, but you need your stuff, give them a call, 877-2494. They'll get it together for you, and then you can just swoop in and pick it up and be on your way. Of course, their webpage, stayhealthylasvegas.com. Listen to any of the radio shows on demand in podcast form, ready and available for you anytime that it fits your schedule to tune in. It's important. So go to my webpage every morning. You can go to drjeffreyburke.com. Of course, you can listen there. You can put my my, uh, icon on your phone. You can listen when you're at the gym. You can just click and listen live, which is great. You can listen through the radio. You can listen through uh, the podcast versions. If you go to stayhealthylasvegas.com, the radio show podcasts are there. You can also know what's coming up on the show. If you go to Facebook and type in Jeffrey Burke, the natural practitioner page, like the page, follow the page. Uh, And while you're there, click on Stay Healthy and follow their page as well. Good information all the time. Every morning I post what my show is going to be about, who my guest is. So you can say, oh, great, I can tune in today. Or, oh, my goodness, I've got a meeting. I can't. But now I know what he's talking about. I can go back later and hear the download because I want to hear that show. And that's the idea of tuning into the Facebook page every morning. While you're there, print coupons to use in the store. Enter your email address for future newsletters. All that good stuff. Remember, education information. That's what it's all about today. So when you go to stay healthy, you're going to experience what it's like to work with amazing people in a full-service environment. Don't give your health to anything else. Always go to the best of the best, and that's Stay Healthy Health Food Store. Have a great day. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to the Staying Healthy radio show. Remember to tune in Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. for the most up-to-date, relevant information on your health and well-being with the best guests in the industry, helping us all to get healthy, be healthy, and stay healthy. For your convenience, podcasts of the show are available at stayhealthylasvegas.com. Make sure to visit Stay Healthy Health Food Store, Las Vegas' oldest independent health food retailer. The store hours, Monday through Saturday from nine to 6 p.m., closed on Sunday. Stay Healthy provides exceptional service and outstanding knowledge every day. I hope to talk with all of you soon. Stay Healthy.